golf. A lot of people do PTing. A lot of people have card, you know, they do poker games. There's so many things you could do. And so the, the idea of the Comeback League is really to help make those connections easier because you can, we can, through pretty simple technology, be a matchmaker between people's different things that they like doing and suggest things to people that are in their interest. Because at the end of the day, uh, continuing to hold more 4th of July parades and expecting people to show up but no one shows up. Uh, and we had a decent number of people show up, but no one wanted to march. Like this last year, um, I, I was the I, I carried the POW MIA flag and then the... I heard a lot about that. Yeah, it was fun. No, and I mean, I didn't hear positive things. Why? What did they say? They said they, they were fairly offended that you insisted on doing it and, and that they let you and... I don't know. See, the perception... That's the gap I'm talking about is you perceive something totally different about that flag. Yeah. Nobody's around. What do you do when the lieutenant gets shot? Run up and grab the the first person to run up and grab the flag starts running. Right. And that's what Marines do, right? But they're thinking, oh, that's not fair. This, that, the other. He's not not making way for the ones who should be doing it, the ones who have the honor. Have the The honor. None of them are walking. But that's exactly what I'm talking about. And that illustrates my point that I want to be digging into. Yeah, let's do this. Perfectly. Let's talk about it. It's a perfect all right, discussion. So, all right. Well, welcome back into the fighting hole. Uh, you, we're here with Mario Blandini. Right now, he's the head of global marketing at Dazen Zone Solutions. DZS. DZS Zone Solutions. Uh, he's had a, a pretty interesting and deep career. Uh, you're a founder chairman of what uh, we're going to get into later to come back. Yeah. Uh, team, you're a public relations officer for the Department of California. Is that still ongoing? Yeah, although I officially call Texas my home or uh, try to find somebody to take that job. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's interesting. So you went into the Marine Corps in 1990, and I went I in 1991. What was it that drew you into the Marine Corps? Stated real simply, my father, who is a Navy Vietnam vet, he was a gunner. It uh, doesn't hear very well because they didn't really protect your hearing back then. No, no, they didn't. He they, would uh, yell at me right to say, you're a slob, you're an idiot, you're a loser. You wouldn't make it one day in the Navy. So instead, I joined the Marine Corps. And you were a, a 6494. That was your MOS. Uh, so that was uh, intelligence, right? Or computer? Actually, aviation IT? logistics. So um, okay. for people who are NASCAR fans. When you pull into the pits, a bunch of people attack the car and change a bunch of parts. Turns out we've been doing that forever in the Marine Corps. When a helicopter comes in from a mission, they run out and start changing all the parts because helicopters, like all other airplanes, if a part gets old, you want to replace it before it breaks. Mm. I worked on the computer system that calculated all of the flight times for all the parts and would then advance order those parts to be delivered to the warehouse so they could be there in time to be then shipped to the flight line to then be there to put on the airplane. It's all about logistics, yeah. It really, yeah. So aviation logistics was my uh, was my computer system. But yeah, I fixed 1960s technology. Okay. And uh, see, after the, after the Marine Corps, you went into SQA as a manager with Adaptech. You were a director of systems engineering at Sunrise for a year and then went on to director of principal systems engineer at Rhapsody. I'm familiar with Rhapsody. I think most people in my generation probably remember Rhapsody. Yeah. Uh, and, and then, then I worked for a big company named Brocade. We got acquired by a company named Brocade, a $2 billion yep. company. And uh, yeah, life's been great. Not, not a lot of Marines in Silicon Valley, I found, or at least the companies that I've worked at. I've what? had to kind of keep it on the DL, to be honest. But uh, 
yeah, I, I had, I had uh, fun in the civilian world. Is there is there a job, one of these jobs that stood out in your mind as as, as you miss it? You'd kind of like to be there again. Yeah, I, I got to tell you, the, the getting was good uh, at uh, a company brocade. It turns out it was a company that was the had the only CEO indicted for stock options backdating. Oh, interesting enough, everybody did it. Steve Jobs at Apple, everybody was doing it, but he's the one who got punished. Hmm. And so the company had a little bit of a cloud over it. But during the time, we grew from. Uh, $600 million of revenue to $2 billion in revenue. We did, did a lot of fun stuff. And it's technology. I know you're a big technologist yourself. Adrian. I love it, yeah. Um, but I'm, the, I'm the most techie Luddite you'll ever meet. Exactly. There you go. Uh, and for me, uh, I, I did uh, IT in the, the Marine Corps, um, working on the vendor side and building. It's basically telecommunications equipment. So very boring stuff. Not the stuff that everyday people would know about, but large companies do and uh, it's one of the fun things I'm trying to get away from that right you yourself have kind of changed your life I'm in the process of doing the same with me to spend less time making money for uh, Silicon Valley companies and more time coming up with creative solutions on how we as a community can connect with one another because at the end of the day we want to be connected it's just a little too hard so would you would you say that I mean it sounds like correct me if I'm wrong but you're one of those that really got the whole Marines, what they say, it doesn't always work out this way, but work smart, not hard. What's the most efficient path from point A to point B isn't going through Z. Yes, and I think that's somewhat uh, contrarian thinking to most military tactics in the sense that you are given an order and you're supposed to go execute that order come hell or high water. Mm -hmm. And because it's very specific. But here in in our everyday world where we live with one another, it's not as intense, uh, you can choose to do things more efficiently. And I think it's one of the cool things about uh, technology myself. I, I'm really not a, a gadget guy, but to think how easy it is to get information these days and more importantly, connect with somebody or communicate with them, it's just a lot easier. It is and, amazingly um, easy. And what, now, that brings on a whole other suite of problems. Don't get me wrong. Like, we get thousands of messages a day and we're overloaded. That's another thing. But in terms of just the overall efficiency in the military, we built for redundancy. Because you don't need to be efficient. You need to win the war, which means there's probably too many dudes sitting around not doing anything right now. The hurry up and wait. How often did we do that, right? Every day. Yeah. <laughs> so, but in, in, in the, the world where everywhere where economics play... Uh, yeah, you, you want to uh, invest as little as possible to get the most benefit. And I think that uh, it's an interesting problem as we as military organizations because we think of things as having redundancy. And we also think of things as like from an initiative perspective. We talked about this just a, a minute ago, how in the civilian world, a, the flag drops. No one dares pick it up. They're waiting for somebody else to pick it up or they're waiting to be told, right? But in the in you, there would be no, no questions asked. Like, the flag dropped, somebody runs and goes and picks it up, grabs it, and starts running. And I think that that's one of the cool things about uh, doing things more easily. It's kind of a, a, a serious example, you know, a battlefield example. But any example as, as we work with you, like a, a Marine Corps League, hey, you know, someone's got to, you know, we're running out of coffee. You could either put it up to a vote and see if we want to go ahead and get some mm. coffee and have 15 people agree and spend two weeks Death arguing over committee. it. Or... Someone just picks up some coffee. Death by committee, yeah. <laughs> right, so what if we just went and did simple things, talk about being efficient, just did them, and then we spent the time, rather than talking about the small stuff, talking more about the big stuff. Because at the end of the day, I think that's one of the problems that, that is hurting veteran organizations is they're stuck in all the minutiae, stuck in the bylaws, stuck in the, 
the this is the way we've always done it, stuck in the uh, the, the way they operate. And um, you and I were both Desert Storm era uh, veterans, right? And yeah, both lot, one thing about veteran organizations, they have excellent leadership, in the sense that they are people who are usually Vietnam era folks, and they they don't lack for leadership skills at all. No. The challenge though is is that they operate much in much the same 1950s, 20th century way. There's a way, there's a specific way we do things. Yeah, and I think that's one of the things that, uh, that we see here, especially in California and the Bay Area, and you talked about me being the public relations guy, it's consistent from Eureka down to San Diego in the sense that the Marine Corps League hasn't had enough new people join in a long time. Therefore, it, it really does lend itself toward keeping doing the same thing over and over because there's not a lot, a lot of new ideas coming in. It's, it seems to me that three quarters of, yeah, I'd say maybe three quarters, but at least half are, are the older World War II, Korean War, Vietnam veteran generation, and then maybe a quarter, maybe uh, almost two quarters of uh, are middle-aged, and then you got a very small fraction that are young. I, every time I see anybody under 35, I'm shocked. Uh, yeah. But anyway, just to finish up, you, you worked at uh, Swiss Tech. I, I saw you did many interviews, seen you on uh, videos. Yeah, I'm a marketing uh, guy. You, so it's, I, I, you're going to be all over the internet. Yeah. Did you have a chance to, to really think about uh, any time when you were in your fighting hole, when you were in a defensive position, you had all your, your, uh, your berms up, uh, and how did you get out of it, or are you still in it? What were your strategies to succeed and get out of that oh, fighting great. hole. That's a, that's a great idea. And I think um, the question, I'll interpret it maybe even deeper than you might have asked it, in the sense that we, in terms of teamwork, we have this uh, common trust amongst one another if you're in the, in the military. And what, regardless of branch. Yeah, regardless of what branch, right? Like I, if, if an Air Force guy came in here and we had to move that TV over there, we'd get it done super quick because we just know exactly how to go do it. Um, and I think that because the, the, the language that we use as veterans when we first transition, it's super hard for people. I found that I immediately began forcing myself to use the civilian equivalent word and not use a military word. Because it'd be fun. People would say, oh, what do you mean by that? And you can explain, oh, that's cool. But... Communication, obviously, is the most important thing between us humans, right? And, and, and how right. we get along. And so for me, the, the thing I realized in getting out of your fighting hole, and this is when I went from being an engineering guy to being a marketing guy, just going out and, uh, and doing the human thing and trying a little extra to meet the other person halfway. I think that's one of the challenges. We, all, we expect people to meet us all the way on our side, on our opinion. But as d- diverse as San Francisco Bay Area is, for example, you, you almost have to be super open to listening to lots of different ideas and lots of different views. And I think that's the part. We often don't feel comfortable doing that. Like you ask anybody what's their biggest fear, public speaking. Right. <laughs> well, the reason why is because you're exposing yourself there. But people have that same fear when they're talking to just individual people, too. And so for me, I think I knew that if I didn't get out of the fighting hole and get out, at least my aspirations in a career, to change from being a technician to be a marketer, that I found it important to do that. And so, uh, so that's so, how I did it. So just so I, so just so I understand, then we're going to take a quick break. i got some announcements to make. So your fighting hole that you were in, was that you couldn't communicate 
you found when you were in this, when you got out in the civilian world? Is well, that the idea that you feel isolated and you're there in a defensive position, but the reality is no one's trying to kill you. Now, I take that back. There's that backstabbing and all sorts of stuff happening on. But generally speaking, we have this fight or flight type of uh, feeling in our bodies, right? And, yeah. and for me, I realized that be, being in the fight mode is a very big advantage when you are on active duty and you're doing stuff. Being in uh, that mode when you're trying to do your everyday job and work with other people who don't, who don't know how to interpret the intensity, mm-hmm. you really have to be, uh, let's just say, communicate more on their level. And I think that's one of the things I learned is that uh, in the fighting hole, I was intense. I was waiting for a fight. But the reality is there was really no way there to fight you. And it was really with my own self is that, hey, how do I get comfortable and like take the chip off of your shoulder? Because I think people also say that, hey, people who are in the military, they have this chip on their shoulder like I... I deserve something, right? You mean you don't? What? You don't? No, of course I do, but you have to take it off. <laughs> have, you, have you taken yeah, it off? Yeah, I'm good at it. I'm good at it. And that's one of the things I realized early on. You said, hey, why have I got to do all these cool jobs? Probably because early on I realized, hey, if you don't take the chip off your shoulder, you're not going to be able to bring your defenses down. If, if I look at you and you've got a suit of armor on and your mask is closed and your sword is drawn... I assume I should probably have a different position with you than if you had no helmet, your gauntlets were off, you didn't have your weapon in your hand. So it's one of those things, right? Like it's we as it was people. If if I have this defensive shield up, people can see that, and this, so they put their defensive shield up. So it's almost this thing that because there's no fight, <laughs> you got to kind of and it, it, it's hard for humans because we, we we have to open ourselves up to people and we have to try to understand that other side. It's hard to take your defenses down. That's interesting. Yeah, we're going to come back to that. All right. We're here in Fighting Hole. We do have some regional announcements. We have Delta Diablo Detachment, 1155 Marine Corps League. They got their annual barbecue coming up. Uh, so Donald Hester, the commandant, he says, just as a reminder, the barbecue is coming up. They'd love to invite other Marines, Marine veterans, supporters, and their families. It's happening on 27 April this year. It's happening from 10 in the morning to 2 in the afternoon. You can meet them there at 3325 O'Hare Avenue in Brentwood, California, 94513. Archie's S&Q Smoked and Barbecue Meats will be catering. They will have award ceremony, various farm animals, challenge coins, and uh, the like for sale, possibly some prizes. The suggested donation is $10 per car. So he'd like to see as many of us Marine veterans as possible get out there and uh, enjoy a good fun barbecue with them. I know I'm going to do an intro. I've got the intro. Well, while you think about the intro, I'm going to give you a little bit of B roll. Mario Blandini here, your director of public relations for the Department of California Marine Corps League. Adrian did an announcement on the Delta Diablo detachment. Historically, uh, that detachment spun out of the Mount Diablo detachment, 942, out in uh, Danville. And I've personally been to several of the events uh, down there at 1155. They have the biggest events of any of the Bay Area detachments. And they have a lot of great uh, local support as well. So I'd encourage you, if you have some time and you want to go out in the East Bay Hills this uh, the weekend. The website is great, too. Yeah, so uh, I'd, I'd, uh, I'd, I'd just say that uh, we've got some good folks out there in Brentwood uh, for an enjoyable uh, evening. Ah, well, you, you can cut that out, but anyway. No, it's great. It's Let's great. go to the intro.
So welcome to In the Fighting Hole. Today we're with Mario Blandini. Mario, first things first, let me hear your best hurrah. All right, we're back. We've had some announcements. Back into the final hole. Uh, having an interesting conversation now. During the break, what I was thinking about and I wanted to ask you about uh-huh. is, you remember when you got out of the game? I do. And you were thinking, I'm a Marine. You can chew nails and spit bullets, right? You get out to your, finally get through your uh, military occupational school. You get to your first assignment. And you're like, I'm a Marine. Finally, I'm going to get shown some respect like a Marine. And what happened? Well, uh, interestingly enough, my MOS school was the better part of two years uh, because I had a a computer job and they had a a lot of training. So I was stationed up in Vallejo, California. And interestingly enough, right around the two-year mark, you know, Lance Corporal, everybody's, you know, you went to school with Lance Corporal and you're out. We're in Berkeley. And I remember uh, some people who saw our squared away haircuts and they obviously assumed that we were... Uh, military, and then, of course, started making some disparaging remarks, right? Right. And uh, a couple of the other guys were getting a little bit irritated. And the way I uh, expressed it to, to the, the other guys was that, hey, these people are angry for a lot of reasons. And these are the same people who are angry that are doing a bunch of angry things today, right? It, no. So you can't necessarily take that uh, too much. And I think it was a little bit interesting. I didn't get thrown into the fleet after a short school, for example. My first assignment was in Okinawa, Japan. So for me, my first experience in the fleet was very different because it was deployed and, uh, certainly a smaller microcosm, let's just say. The, it's a different, it's a different animal. You know? Yeah. Other than like you're, you're stationed, you know, at, at Camp Pendleton, you're going to Oceanside on the weekend, right? That's a little bit different than, uh, hanging out in Okinawa. I see, see, I think one of the things that I'm trying to hit on, and I know a lot of Marines have had this experience, is that you get out there and, and you're, you're not a recruit, but you're a boot, right? And by the time you get done being a boot, then you're just a, a minor non, non-rate, right? And, and I think a lot of Marines were struck by, they thought they would be given a lot more respect up front because we're all Marines in the end. But when they discovered how important rank and position were, it was a shock. And then to, to get out into the civilian world, I think a lot of us, uh, what was hard was discovering that there was still that dynamic going, but couldn't quite figure out how to, to get into it yeah. to our best advantage. Did you have a method that served you well so being marketing? You've got, got a pretty good game in talking. Yeah, uh, I guess for me, uh, I, I, I was lucky my MOS didn't have a whole lot of people in it, so... Uh, at year five, I got promoted to sergeant. And year, year five, year five, and then so and then year five, a little bit of the other year, then year six. I did six years total. So for me, um, I found that it was definitely different being a sergeant than being a lance corporal. Mm. And it, a lot of other marines didn't like it because there are some MOSs where you could be in there for four years and it'd be hard to make corporal. It was. And that was guys, what I was saying. And there's guys who are getting promoted to corporal at three years and sergeant in five years. It's just different MOSs. So I think that that's one of those interesting things is that, you know, I, I was fortunate in that regard is that my MOS just promoted faster. But in terms of like the value of you, I think that there's two dynamics happening. One, we as Marines are the youngest service members when it comes to active duty. They're, the Marines have the youngest fighting force and kind of have to go amphibiously land on foreign soils and kill people. So you kind of need young people for that. And I totally get it. And 
uh, it's different than the other services. Because I've posed the same question with others, and we as Marines kind of have the hardest time with it because they're, we're just a, a young force. And I think if you think about it, how old were you, Adrian, before you were, had the maturity to know and not let things set you off? Last year. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the whole thing. It's like, hey, you talk about these guys getting out, whether they're NCO or not an NCO. It's, you're, you're a 22, 24-year-old kid still. And to me, um, you talked about using it to my advantage. What I found is is that... Um, Situational it, awareness. It was hard to get... What I perceived of how the world was happening, and I suspect this is true for a lot of Marines, was not what everyone else was perceiving. Yeah, of course not. I mean, I was using different terms. Like I said before, that was the first thing I, I suggest anybody do. Whatever job you're trying to do, mm-hmm. whatever circles that you're hanging in, whatever you enjoy doing, figure out what the lingua franca or the terminology is for that area. And how did you do that? I mean, what's a, a practical piece of advice in that regard that we can leave with Marines today? I think that uh, it would be when talking about organizations, we as in the military going back to that rank structure, have a very easy time describing how things are organized. Mm. In the civilian world, it's way different. You might have somebody who's a vice president in a company that has only two employees, and you might have somebody who's a shift supervisor that has 30 employees. Which one of them is more important? One of them's got a bigger title, gets paid more. The other one does actually more managerial work. Right. See what I'm saying? Scale. So, and- so for me, one of the ways to do it is you don't... We as, as Marines want to be leaders because... That's our job. Like if you see someone, if there's a leadership uh, that's empty, we want to fill that void. I think that's one of the ways you can get in trouble because you can like kind of piss people off that way. But even without finishing that, filling that void, I think if you learn the terms, a bit of advice. In the military, your goal was very, very simple. It was stated, the objective was stated very clearly for you and you understood what successful uh, completion of the mission was. No one's going to tell you the requirements for doing a good job out here in the rest of the world, right? So you're, you're really left with having to ask questions. So what you, you have to do is figure out whoever you're, you're uh, on a team with, ask them, hey, what does success look like? And then let them use the words of what success are and then just start using those words. It's kind of a, a weird thing, but I, I found that because I felt so out of place. I went to Silicon Valley where they use all these different terms than they do in the military. I just, uh, maybe it's, uh, you're an artist, kind of like becoming an actor. You almost have to kind of method act a little bit. Go in and almost play the role of this, how you're supposed to act. And amazingly, if you don't think about I'm doing it, but I'm playing a role, it's kind of like going on a mission to say, hey, you're on a mission. You're going to go do these things. Well, Fake it till you make it. Yeah, and so, but it's not faking it because you're actually trying. Now, you may be less effective at communicating, but it doesn't mean that you can't start doing that. I think that's one of the things. We as adults, why is it that we're terrible at learning other languages? Hmm. Do you know? Because we convince ourselves we can't learn. No, it's a little bit... Uh, <laughs> I, that, like that, that. That's it. I like that. I like that. No. <laughs> uh, it actually has to do with this idea that we as humans do not want to embarrass ourselves. A kid doesn't worry about what the other person is thinking, so they just let their brain in their mouth say the words. No fear. There you go. We're Fear is to... the mind killer. Well, there you go. So we're afraid of how other people are thinking. So now we're second-guessing ourselves. Do I actually know that word? You probably have know it, but the fact you're second-guessing yourself prevents you from doing that, right? The same thing for then t- learning how to speak civilian speak. You just got to start doing it, man. And someone says, oh, 
you mean this? Oh, yeah, you mean that? Yeah, and then you start using a different word. Yeah. We're so self-conscious. We don't want to be thinking because we're leaders, right? Leaders are not supposed to ask questions. We're supposed to be out there and lead from the front and set by example. But it's a new environment. I, 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 I would agree with that. And because and let me just talk about my recent experience in the fighting hole. If I'm not thinking about it, generally, I just jump out there and do it. And by the time somebody tells me I was supposed to have been nervous, it's too late. That's a uh, great way to operate. This, in the fighting hole, I've done so much research and there was so much expectation I was building up in my mind. I found it hard to get the first episode out okay. and even harder the second episode because I became the perfectionist. Amen. Uh, and, and it's better to just jump out there and do it. This actually isn't hard. I think it's going quite well. Yeah. Uh, by the way, in the fighting hole is fightinghole.vt, fightinghole.vet, uh, so you can go find some new episodes. Good vanity URL there. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, it's, it was meant for veterinarians, and I was like, no, it's meant for vet- <laughs> veterans. That's right. Uh, so, yeah, that's an example of just taking it. But you're, you're right. It's fear is the mind killer, and it, I was almost paralyzed with it. I found sure. the second time until it just the next day it struck me. I was like, "What am I doing?" It, it's better to get something out there and have it be rough than than be late, lose people's interest, already show my butt, yeah, and, and not get something out there. All right, I'm going to do a real quick public service announcement for any of you veterans out there that are looking to get into software development. Uh, game development, any of the new social app development sort of thing. There's a concept called minimum viable product, MVP. And we think of MVP being the most valuable player. It's a good thing. Well, it turns out MVP is really important, but it's the minimum viable product. If you had to have a perfect podcast the first time, it would take you an infinite amount of time to do it the first time. You don't need to be perfect. You need to be uh, 80% there, right? You, and you don't want to do C quality work, B quality work and above, but it's this idea that in the military, you expect it to perfect something before moving to the next stage. Right. And here, nobody's going to inspect you. <laughs> you might have people who are haters and might not like the way you did something, but honestly, you, you have full license just to go out there and do it. And so don't over-engineer, as they say. Don't create a product with scope creep. I'm throwing all these different words out. You're probably thinking, hey, what, is, what does that stuff mean? Basically, you got a mission. My brain just went numb like yeah. about five seconds you ago. you got a mission. And if what, if what I say is go square away that barracks, but it doesn't have to be inspection ready. It just has to be, it just has to be squared away. Imagine they say, go to the barracks and clean it up. Well, you'd really want to know. Remember that uh, movie... Police Academy. It's kind of a movie, yeah. maybe. Oh my and, they're, and they're getting their haircuts, right? And we in the Marine Corps, were used to getting our heads ah, buzzed, right? Yeah. The funny thing is that one character says, oh, just take a little off the sides and here. And they, they accommodate his wish. You didn't have and, to and shave your head at Police like, Academy, but right? I thought, I thought. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah so yeah. the funny thing is, is don't get your whole head shaved if the minimum requirement is just to get a haircut. Yeah. Right? And, and the, this idea that we, we want to be perfect face it, the bar is lower outside the military. And for a good reason. You have to win wars in the military. The bar's got to be super high. Our job here is just to get along. So you don't have to have that bar as high. So here's the shameless PSA for, uh, well, it's for a good cause. Before I I heard about the Marine Corps League last August, it took 20-some-odd years and never heard of the Marine Corps League. Most of the people my age had not heard about the Marine Corps League. I met with Patrick Free, the captain and representative for the Marine for Life Network, which is a resource that has been out there for Marines for going on 12 years. Not enough people, hardly anybody knows about it. 
the, the point, yeah, yeah. So the point is, is this is also to get the word out about that. Uh, we're endorsed, although not sponsored, by both the Marine Corps League and the Marine for Life Network. Uh, if there's any Marines out there, it doesn't matter how long you've been out and you want to get plugged in, and you want to get connected, those resources are still there for you as well. Those skills are still available to you. There's a lot of things I've learned as a liaison from the Marine Corps League to uh, the Marine for Life Network here in the Bay Area that I have to get out. And uh, you're just, thank you for listening right now, Mario, but i got to get it out. One of the things is FEDVTE. It's the Federal Virtual Training Program where you can go online for free. Any veteran can sign up for online courses. It will take you through coding and uh, cybersecurity from beginner level all the way to expert, and you will be certified by the Department of Homeland Security, and it is self-paced. So that's one excellent program that's available to everybody. You can also get a LinkedIn uh, membership free, premium, for a year. I could have used that so many times in the last couple of years. So Marines and, and veterans who are listening, that is another option that is available to you. Uh, they're going to be having a gathering coming up this May or June for the Marine for Life Network in the Bay Area. Stay tuned for more word on that. But we're glad that you're part of the audience. Again, we're with Mario Blandini. He's got uh, a lot of experience in the IT field, and he's uh, pretty much an evangelist for what he believes. Uh, but before we get into what, what really drives him right now, i got to challenge him. Okay. Are you ready for the challenge? Standing by to stand by. What do you tell Marines in the league or otherwise who, who view your enthusiasm and excitement as self-serving and that you're only out for money and that you're going to use the veteran community for your own ends? How do you address those? Uh, I'll use an analogy. Imagine you just got done with successful operation in a theater of war. The year is 1942. What do you expect to pick you up? You expect a boat to pick you up. You go into the Vietnam War, what do you expect something would pick you up? A helicopter, right? You know, if mm. you're out there. Right now, imagine we're, we, meaning the group of veterans who are roughly our age, who are roughly um, not connected to the, the, the military today, but we, we desire to have that connection. The reality is that we're using different vehicles. So if I showed up to a LZ in uh, Vietnam with an Osprey, they might actually start shooting at it. <laughs> not might. my, not my you, you, yeah, that's you, like, you wouldn't have landed. Right, that's what I'm saying. So when you ask me, hey, why do they think that? They just never seen this before. And the reason why I don't take it personally is because, hey, I've spent 20 years in Silicon Valley. I've seen how it's changed. And face it, my grandparents can't. They, 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 uh, they're both uh, in heaven, but they couldn't understand that. My dad doesn't understand any of this stuff, Vietnam vet, doesn't under understand any of it. I think the challenge is once you give humans something, you can never take it back. So mm -hmm. imagine the idea of having running water in your house. Would we go back to pumping water in a well? Never. We might. We might, and we might be forced to, and I think Marines will be pretty good at that if all, all hell breaks loose. But what I'm saying is the average person, you can never go backwards. You can only go forwards. So this idea that, hey, I have television service and I can watch any of five different stations, that's great. Nowadays, you can literally watch anything of a million different pieces of content anytime you want. Mm -hmm. So this idea of experiencing television is very different 50 years after you know, the medium started. 
the way we communicate as a society is, is different. You and I are sitting here talking, but there are people listening to us having talked right. sometime over the internet. And if they like it, they might find more stuff. It might inspire them to go do something. Yeah, and hopefully there's a Marine out there right now or a veteran who's going, wait a minute. All I have to do is push a button? Yeah, and I think that's, that's where I think that the, the rub is. The rub is you must be doing it for you because you think that's your idea on how to do it. Mm. And people would say our idea, like sending out mailers and sending out donation cards, asking people to you know, send in donations via the mail. Hey, that all works. But clearly you can be more effective and if you do modern fundraising through any of the more modern fundraising like platforms. Buttons. Right. Whatever it is, what I'm Passive. saying. So it's doing it differently. And we as humans, what's the one thing that we hate is change. Humans mm. hate change. And uh, so for me, I think it's we're in an interesting spot, Adrian, because we're, we're dads. We got, we got kids, older kids. And I'm not saying that, you know, being a desert storm area gives you any special wisdom. But I think we're the tweener generation, if you think about it, of Marines. Because the Marines in battle from Vietnam have a mindset the folks from, from younger yeah. oif1 we, oif2 we're in afghanistan the only peace time. yeah we're kind of that peacetime thing you know we had our we had our conflict but i didn't get to go anywhere did you get to go anywhere no yeah it wasn't for lack people. of begging yeah so very few people got to go whereas virtually everybody who's been on active duty the past 10 years has had a chance if not has been forced to go years. one two three four five right in however that however years, that goes. Yeah. especially you know that how that's going so getting back to the whole to bring it in for a landing on this idea that hey you're doing something different and I don't like it and you must be doing it for you. I get it because it is my, I, I think differently. I have a different solution to the same challenge. Mm-hmm. And so the way I see it is, hey, of course, I just, I just rolled up in an Osprey. Of course you're shooting at me. <laughs> you know, and, and I, I, have to, I have to say that I didn't give you an easy time right off the bat. I'd heard a lot about you and I wanted to make my own decision. Hell yeah. So before I even spoke with you, I did two and a half hours of research. Yeah. And, and, I was, and you took it. I gave you some harsh uh, feedback on, on some of what I found and you took it and you ran with it. And by the end of all of our meetings, uh, like at the coffee shop, personally, I felt satisfied that your heart was absolutely in the right place. Uh, and I wasn't sure I agreed with your method or tactic, although I've, I've, I think differently now. At the time, uh, I just I knew your heart was right and that whatever you were going to engage in, it was going to work out right. Yeah, and that's the whole thing. It's you have bad intentions. My intention stated very clearly as the public relations officer for the Marine Corps League is to have more Marines know that the Marine Corps League exists mm-hmm. and to invite more of them to come and engage. The, what I found, and one of the reasons why I've moved to Texas and I've got a bunch of other things going on in my personal life, is that um, California might be, not, may not be the perfect petri dish in which to try to do new things as far as the, the Marine Corps. No, so no Californians surround it and kill it, whatever it is. <laughs> <laughs> no, and, I'm, and, I'm not even kidding. So this, is me, the toughest, this is the toughest crowd I've ever seen. Yeah, exactly. Whereas uh, I found that, you know, in other places it may, it, it, it'll be a little bit different. Um, the, the whole idea of where your heart is, I think that we, we tend to focus more on the how than the why. The why is so important. You, but, if you don't have the why, you're going to be spinning in place not knowing you're, you've lacked focus. Yeah. And I'd say the why, going back to this originally, you, when I first met you, you said you had two decades where you didn't, 
you didn't describe it as a whole, but there was, there was the lack of a connection. Let's just say that. And so we as veterans, face it, we as humans, we want to connect with people that we have an affinity to. Mm-hmm. And hell yeah, you were in the military, I was in the military, we're both Marines. Heck yeah, we should be have an affinity. And we Agreed. want to be able to share that. The challenge is that veteran organizations were largely organized around either drinking, i.e. the American Legion or BFW and having a bar in their place. And there's bars in this building we're currently speaking yeah, of. You can't yeah, use yeah. them, but anyway, there's bars here, right? That was the what brought people together. And I just don't think that that's the play that is going to work in our modern society, whereas maybe... Not with the younger Marines. They want to make a difference. They want to be a part thing. of something real and practical. They don't want to just chase ideals. They want to see real effects for those who are around them and who they engage with. Whereas, I mean, it's just different. Well, you know, we value time differently. And I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll, exactly. I'll, I'll say that more. Just as one of the things that, that makes it tough for veterans is that we don't have the same value system as everybody else that you might work with. Now, the cool thing is about veteran organizations, you do have the same value system. So we have that to, to count on it. But um, the, the what gets in people's heads and the how gets in people's heads a and lot more than why. Because at the yeah. end of the day, if we <laughs> all started on a race and we're saying the goal is to finish this five-mile run, would it matter if I ran faster than you and got to the finish line first doing it a different way? Because what do we do in Marines? We talked about this. That's right. Because you at the end back, of the day, I'm coming back and I'm going to jog with the jog next with guy. Yes. I'm go back and jog with the next guy. And frankly, nobody likes that guy. In boot camp, the brown noser who was the best PTer and got to be a squad leader and went out front and the drill instructors were all like encouraging I love him. that guy. That's so the guy who encouraged guy. me to turn around. I see what you're saying, but here's the thing. What if you weren't, what if you were discouraged? And what I'm saying is the default response by many people when they see an ambitious idea to really make change. And the really obvious, these guys have seen this for the past 20 years. They've seen nothing but failure to reach some of these ideals that people are talking about. Mm. The reason why I don't, I don't have any malice in my heart is that at the end of the day, we're wanting to make it easier for, for veterans to get connected. Agreed. And we want people to find a way that allows them to participate in the community on their rules. Mm. And th- because right now, the, these organizations like the Marine Corps League, and I'm a paying member, I love this place, but I got to be somewhat critical. It, it's, it doesn't really allow for a variety of activities because either A, everybody votes on it, and then of course you get the, death the, by the, committee, death by committee, or B, you get a, a situation where that you, you can't find activities that, that everybody can be involved with. Can you wait, I want to just jump in right there. You know, so I get that the older generation, they, had, they didn't have cell phones. They weren't connected all the time. In a sense, what I see between the younger generation and the older generation is, is asking them to be, jump on this technology and always checking it, is asking them to always be in yeah, a meeting. No, I get right. that. They're, and who wants to, they, they don't want to always be in a meeting. They want their scary. peace. They want their time. It is frightening. It's scary as hell. But you and I, we had to adjust to that, right? So we kind of got our feet in both worlds. Yeah. But let me tell you, when I came on board, and, it, and I, I know I'm not the only Marine to experience this, but you're excited. You're enthusiastic. You want to talk to people. You want to, uh, you know, brainstorm. And, and nobody wants to talk to you. They want to wait till the meeting once a year or once a month. Sorry, not once a year. 
I think that is a huge drawback and very intimidating. Is it's hard to keep guys who Marines who have been plugged in and and have spent their whole lives plugged in to suddenly ask them they need to back off and they can't get the wisdom. Yeah, revert from, to nineteen fifties uh, meetings. They, they can't get the wisdom that they need to carry on. Right? They're trying to get orders on how to march from their older elder statesmen, but the elder statesmen don't see it as an opportunity. They see it as they need to conform. And, and that's, that's, a, that's a frightening thing. I see, I see the Marine Corps League has a very pivotal time right now. The next three years are going to make and break what the Marine Corps is going to be. The Marine Corps League is going to be in the next I'll, I'll double uh, that. Future. Let's just say six years, only because I don't think that we need to move that fast. <laughs> Meaning that right now, let's, let's just say a goal. And that I, uh, this is coming straight from last year's national convention for the Marine Corps League. Right. They wanted to start an initiative to get 50% of our membership under the age of 50. You and I are both under 50, but we're nowhere close to 50% of our detachment, and and nationally, it's nowhere close. So what they did is they they created this goal, 50% of our people under 50. And what I said to that is that, unfortunately, that's kind of a goal that's only going to depress people. Because when's the last time you completed 50% of anything in that, that it's a long, long march, right? This is going to be a long process. Every time and, I go to the restroom. Yeah. <laughs> <I'm sorry. laughs> yeah. So for me, this idea is that what if we just, what if we got 5%? Yeah, I think, I think your ex, that's a good point. The expeditionary idea where there's, where, okay, this is what's intimidating to me to about To build being a vehicle that can carry 50% yeah. of a work, or 50% of a population is very hard. To test out new vehicles that can bring along 5% of the people right. that you can then use technology to replicate and roll out to everybody, that's where I think we need to be going. The testers, you're right. The young people are perfect for that. The testers. So one thing that intimidates me about being at large is you don't have any voting and you can only go to the meetings that you're invited to. What if there was, you just said, look, if you're young, if you want to be at large because we're a mobile society, do that. Take that idea, run. If it works, we'll look at it. If it doesn't, we'll we'll take a different tact. But putting some flexibility into the system. Yeah, and I just uh, to give you some uh, information from uh, National Marine Corps League. They have a concept called a fire team. I wonder where they came up with the idea. Squad, yeah. With as few as four individuals, they don't even have to live in the same geographic area. Often they will. But it's this idea that if we have a detachment here in San Leandro, California, for those who aren't, uh, don't know the geography, we're in the East Bay of San Francisco. And Brentwood right. is in the far, far east bay. It's probably, right. uh, depending on traffic, an hour drive. Most people, before they live here, just call it the bay or San yeah. Fran. I used to think of all of it as the city, but no. Yeah. You don't, you don't there really is definitely geography. I hardly ever go to the city. It might as well be another state. Yeah. Well, think of uh, a, uh, a place like Vallejo. Long military history. Maryland, mm. yeah, shipyard. Deep. There is a Marine Medal of Honor winner who is uh, buried there. Right. Tremendous history. Our, the first Marine Corps boot camp on the West Coast was in Vallejo, right? We have deep ties back to there, but there's no Marine Corps League detachment in Vallejo. Not a one. But what if there were a couple Marines, not enough to make a, not to, enough to make a detachment, but enough to make a fire team? All they have to do is give a report back to their closest detachment, detachment ah, to let them yes. know that, hey, 
we are a fire team. We're out here. As far as we're concerned, we're a fire team in your company, right? right? We don't, we're not currently stationed where you guys are, but we're like in a remote detachment, you know, out there like, you know, uh, of Marines and they're, they're doing recon and or surveillance out in uh, wherever they live. By doing the, um, the, the, the fire team, I would encourage anybody, if you do that, that is a unit that uh, can be filled without large members with this idea that um, as it gets big enough, it can either form its own detachment or it can have a connection back to uh, whatever their closest detachment So you're, you're creating, yeah, it's, it's an idea where you would be creating a front-end loader. It's not so we. It already exists in the Marine Corps League. Okay, so what I would so suggest is for oh. anybody who doesn't like their current detachment or, and I'm not saying doesn't like it. The reason you don't go to a detachment is because there's not one around you. Well, I don't want to get firebombed. Yeah, it's not around you. Meaning it's, it's just doesn't, it's not practical for you to, to drive to a detachment. Right. Great. Hang out at a coffee shop or, or go PT or go do anything that, that's a, an organized thing and uh, you can be a fire team in the Marine Corps. This, is, this has all been an excellent interview, I must add. Uh, last thought, what's your best single advice you could give to anybody who's in their defensive position and they hear this, but we're still missing where they're at? They're, they're hanging out and they're ready to shoot anything that comes out of the bushes. What's the best advice you'd give somebody? Who, well, I'd, 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 I'd pose a question, Please. which is... Who is your support team? And that's like, if you look at the Marine Corps, uh, we're not all, we're all riflemen, but uh, not all of us are on the front lines. For every uh, grunt, I think there's eight plus non-grunts helping the grunt, right? We're all Marines. So, but we're all, we're all, we're all Marines. So uh, the advice to that person who is still feeling isolated would be that, hey, you need to find your own support system. And I, I know not sometimes families can't provide this. Sometimes you don't have significant other spouses, etc. for that. Sometimes you may not even have a lot of friends for that. But I'd be willing to bet that if you are a veteran and you were to go to next door, you would go to find a Marine Corps League detachment, American Legion, whatever it is, go out on Facebook and just say, hey, I'm a vet. I'd love to talk to somebody else who can give me some advice. Yeah. If I saw that on the internet, I'd, I'd say, hey, yeah, I'd love to give you some advice, right? Would you, Adrian, spend 20 minutes talking to somebody who needed some advice? Of course, I would. Of I course. would. But it's hard to find, and Facebook can be intimidating. No, There's a lot of. Which is why I say, look in your family, look in your friends, look at church, look at your, your mm. other affinity groups if, you like, if you're into sports or you do something. There's groups of people. We as the fighting hole implies that you're there with, a, with either by yourself or a small number of people. Right. Yeah, one, Get two, out of your three, fighting three. hole and go back to garrison to the chow hall every once in a while and, <laughs> and hang out with yep. other people. We want to help. And I think if you yourself haven't helped another vet, the feeling you get from that is way better than receiving something, um, receiving service from somebody um, to, that helps you. So helping somebody else really is the best medicine. And I'd say that uh, you got to meet people halfway. Kind of bring this all for a landing. Thanks uh, again, Adrian, for inviting me. Uh, the secret to success really isn't that tough. You're probably your own worst enemy, though, and your own the the critic the criticism you have of yourself. No, I'm not. What are you talking about? And the arguments you have in your own head are probably and it, we we all have them, right, mm -hmm. Adrian? No, yep. so just I think the, the the brotherhood or the familyhood of of you know your brothers and sisters in arms. If we can get together and talk a little bit, amazingly, yeah. we could uh, feel a little bit more confident. I think Excellent. that as you feel better. Um, yeah, we just start to engage more. So we'll see where this goes. Thank you, Adrian, for the good work you do at the Fighting and, Hole. And thank you. Uh, wonderful having you on board. In the end. 
in the end, and this is something I, I feel deeply, you can uh, you can have any post position. In the end, one Marine, all Marines. Yeah. What happens to one Marine affects all Marines. That's why we talk so much about the generations, because yep. there's not one Marine Corps League. There's not five different veteran groups. There's one. The official alumni association of the Marine Corps League is the Marine Corps League. Yep. That's what? You, the only there's qualification... You're a, You're a Marine. There's not. Yep. <laughs> there's nothing gonna. There's, we were first in war. Will this be first in peace? Nobody. If anybody's gonna figure it out, it's gonna, it's gonna be, be us. us. All right, man. So, all right. So let me just a last announcement. If you uh, if you are interested in East Bay and coming to one of our meetings, we have a meeting the second Saturday of every month at 1105 Baycroft Avenue here in sunny San Leandro. It starts at 9 o'clock and goes to 11, and we have a social every fourth Tuesday of the month starting at 6 p.m. at the same Veterans Memorial Building here in San Leandro. If any regional detachments out there hear this and they want to get their announcements, or if there's a big enough announcement going on statewide or nationwide, please get those announcements to me if you'd like to have them put on air by 7 p.m. every Friday. Uh, We're going to be, after this interview, we're going to be changing up the format it's a little more aggressive than I'm able to handle at this time by myself. So every other cadence, week, yeah, you're just gonna go every, to a biweekly cadence. Biweekly cadence, but I'm still gonna get the announcements out. In the fighting hole is gonna get the information that you need out to you on a weekly basis. So till next time, tune in and thank you for joining us here in the fighting hole. That works. All right, that was excellent. It's fine. Yeah, and you're.